Well, good morning. How many of you will be honest and say that you talk to yourself? I'm not talking about the kind of talk that uh, says, hey, don't forget you have a dentist appointment today. Hey, don't forget you have to pick up milk and bread at the grocery store. I'm talking about the stuff that you say to yourself in your mind over and over and over and over again. What do you say to yourself in that talk? If you're like a lot of people, unfortunately, we're kind of stuck in a negative loop. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we live in a society today that's full of negativity. And it's very easy to get our brains caught in this loop of negative. Like, I don't know about you, but I've been caught in such loops that wherever I drive, all I run into is idiots. Anybody done that? They're all idiots. That's a negative loop. I say that to myself. Does anyone not know how to drive? Does anyone know not how to use a blinker? $70,000 car, no blinker? Are you kidding? Financially, you might say to yourself, all this inner self-talk in these loops, I'm always going to struggle. If, if you've been in bad relationships, it's tend that you have a negative loop that says, I can't trust anyone. That's broad, right? Can't trust anyone. What if you do something wrong? If you're like many people, the negative loop, the self-talk that you go over and over and over and over in your head is, I'm an idiot. I'm just dumb. Why could I do that again? So the question, what is it that you say to yourself when you have all this self-talk? And the reason I'm asking you this question is because what you say to yourself matters more than you will probably ever totally understand. Your self-talk matters. If you have your note sheets, you can take these out if you're at home. You already probably have those. Proverbs 4.23 the book of wisdom. That's what Proverbs is. Listen to this. Be careful how you think. Why? Because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Do you realize what you think about literally shapes where you're going in life? It shapes your life. That self-talk shapes your life. You tell me what you think about over and over and over. I can tell you where you're headed. Psychologists call this the law of cognition. Essentially what the law of cognition says is what you think about the most impacts what you believe, which impacts how you feel, which impacts what? What you do or don't do. In other words, your life and my life is always moving in the direction of your thoughts, what you think about the most. Powerful, isn't it? We could probably just stop right there and think for like an hour and say, wow, what does that really mean? Be careful how you think because your shapes determine the direction of your life. Dr. Paul, Tripp, Paul David Tripp, he's an author, he's a pastor. This is a great quote. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. You want to know who the most influential person is in your life? You. 
The self-talk, it matters. And can I just tell you, this is sad, but some of you, many of you are talking yourself into a life that you hate. That's why we've titled today's message, Stinking Thinking. We've got to get a grip on our thoughts. And fortunately, God gives us some direction. How many of you would agree that the world tends to, it seems to be getting more and more negative? Just look around. Those of you at home, you can type in the comment, yeah, it's going negative. Chronic negativity. It's a big, big deal. It's becoming an epidemic. It's poisoning people's mental health right and left. People are more mentally struggling in our country, in our world, than ever before, statistics say. But it's not just a physical problem. It's not just a practical problem. It's actually a big spiritual problem. And that's what we're going to focus on today. I'm going to give you a couple of foundational thoughts today, and then we're going to go back to those over and over and over. So hopefully, by the time our time together is over today, you've got those in, and you've got some markers. You've got some, a shell, if you will, an outline of how you can proceed with mental health and this thing of negativity. So what I want to do is give you those thoughts, and you can jot these down if you're taking notes. Your thoughts have incredible power. Our mind's going in the direction of our greatest thoughts. So your, your, your thoughts... The self-talk has incredible power. But here's the good news. You and I have incredible power over our thoughts. Our thoughts have incredible power, but you and I have incredible power over our thoughts. In other words, guess what? I get to choose what I think about. And you're like, not me. My thoughts just go. I, I hate it. Where my You control your thoughts. We're going to talk about that. By the power of God, you can actually choose, and I can actually choose what I put in my mind, the thoughts that I put in there. And my thoughts are incredibly powerful, but I have incredible power over my thoughts. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who live according to the flesh, that's not your skin, that's your sinful, fleshly nature that we're all born with. Those who live according to their sinful nature have their minds set on what the flesh or that sinful nature desires. If you set your mind on the things that come natural to you, you're going to have those kind of focuses. But he also goes on to say, here's the good news. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I get to choose my thoughts. If I think about what everybody else is in the world and focus on what they focus, what pleases my sinful nature, then that leads to death and problems. But if I focus on the Spirit, if I focus on what God's Word says, if I focus on His truth, it's going to send my thoughts in a different way, which sends my life in a different way. How does that impact us? Look at verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh, governed by my sin, sinful nature. My mind, if it's governed by that, is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Which one you want? We get to decide by our thoughts. And here's our minds. What we think about has incredible power, the thoughts that we put in our mind. But the good news is, I have incredible power over my thoughts. So if you find yourself hurting, if you find yourself feeling broken, if you find yourself like being so discouraged, like you just look around you and what you think about, what you see, it just goes over and over and over in your mind. It's all ugly. 
if it's all negative. That leads to death. But if you focus on God's Word, on His truth, on His Spirit, it leads to life and to peace. So I get to choose. And you get to choose. So here's the plan for today. I, I want to do three things. Number one, I want, I want to give you and I want to show you why negativity is hurting you. And negativity, listen, isn't just out there. It's in us, a lot of it. And it not only hurts me, it hurts my family, it hurts my relationships, it'll hurt your marriage, it'll hurt your values, it'll hurt the direction of your life, it will hurt your future because your outlook is negative, and on and on and on and on and on, negativity is that powerful. So I want to show you first how negativity is hurting you, maybe more than you could ever imagine it's hurting you. And the second thing I want to do is, is I want you to identify what specific area of negativity your mind tends to be overloaded with. We'll go through four of them. And then the third thing I want to do by the power of God's Word is I want to show you through the power of God's Word, through the truth of His Word, that we can change from that which is bringing death and depression and more negativity, and switch it based on our thoughts where it'll bring life and peace into your life, which means it'll bring it into your family, and into your marriage, and into your work, and into the future. So let's start with the beginning. Why is negativity so toxic? That's a great question, isn't it? We're born with what they would say is a negative or a negativity bias, which means I tend by nature, by this fleshly nature, to be slanted towards being negative. We don't have to teach our kids to be selfish, do we? We kind of do sometimes, maybe about how we live ourselves, but they kind of bend that way anyway. Neuroscience actually shows, and you can fill this in if you're taking notes, that negative events imprint on our brains more quickly and they linger longer than positive events. Did you know that? They can prove that with brain scans. That negative comments, negativity impacts our brain and lingers longer than positive things. And if you're not sure of that, I can prove it. What do you think spreads faster in the news? Positive news or negative news? Of course it does. Which sells more time? Negative. On social media, what gets more attention? Negative things or positive things? Negative does. If you are a person, let's say you're in college, let's say you're at work and you have to give a presentation and you're a little nervous about it because maybe the bosses are going to be there or the CEOs are going to be there or the rest of your class is going to be there and you work really hard on your presentation and you do your presentation, whether it's at work, college, wherever it is, and when you're done, everyone is filing out of the room and they're telling you one after another, that was a great job, thank you so much. Man, you did such a great job. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And one person said, I didn't really like it. What do you think you're going to focus on that night when you lay your head down in bed? You're going to focus on the 30 or 40 people that said great job? Or are you going to focus on the one? Huh? The one. The one. See, you're like me. I can hear, you know, and don't, please don't do this. 
But I mean, I, right every week, like I can stand outside and people say, oh, that was great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And either one person says something or I get an email and it's like, Pfft. we got a negativity bias. We tend to lean that way. <laughs> And you know what happens over time? Chronic negativity is what happens. And we become chronically negative. We're stuck in these mental loops of negativity. It goes over and over and over. And it's what they call that you put you in flight or fight mode. And people are always tend to be in a fight mode. That's what we're doing. We're like, there's danger and there's parts of your brain. Listen, God wired them in there for a reason. So that when some stuff goes like that, you can kind of be on the defense. But you know what? Some of us live that way because we've got chronic negativity, these loops with our negativity bias that have just gone over and over and over and over and over. That's why somebody you never know, they can pull out in front of you at a stop sign, or you pull out in front of them by half a second, they're ready to stop the car and beat the snot out of you. <laughs> That's chronic negativity. People are on edge. The Apostle Paul says it this way, I love this, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Have you noticed that almost everywhere you look, there's more negative than positive? Pick up a newspaper if you still can get one, it's negative. Read the headlines on your news app, on your phone or your tablet, it tends to be negative. If you look at what your friends and other people are saying on social media, much of it is negative. If you go and hang around the coffee pot at your place of work, that mostly is negative talk there. You're creating these negative pathways in your brain because that's pretty much what's going on around us all the time. We talk a lot about it. When you get with your friends, a lot of it will drift towards negative conversations. And remember we've talked about neural pathways that your brain develops over time. If you look over time, every time you have one thought, and you think that thought again, you begin to build a pathway. So over time, think how many pathways we've built of negative because that's all we think about. That's all we talk about. That's all we read about. And it's easy to happen like that. And you know what happens? Negativity becomes a habit. <laughs> Let's just face it. Many of us have developed a habit unintentionally of being negative. It's our default mindset. I don't even have to work at it. I can be negative. Why? Because I've done it for so long. Because I've put those thoughts in my brain for so long. And I've allowed others to put them in my brain so long. And I, get this, some of us will actually, we spend hours on social media. It's like we're signing up for more. Oh, and I just hate it. But there's something about you, you just like it. It just gives your negativity and your anger a place to go. And so you're like, oh, yeah. It's destroying us. Destroying families, destroying relationships. So, some of our self talk says things like, I'm never going to get anywhere. I don't think I'll ever be happy. And this negativity becomes a habit that many of us have no idea how to break. The Bible says, and think about this again, 
The mind governed by the flesh, my sinful nature, is death. So the things that we feast our mind on, the media that we consume, the shows that we watch, the lyrics in the music that we listen to, the social media posts that we see over and over and over and over again, the things that we read over and over again that makes us feel jealous, the things we see other people doing on social media, or at least they're telling us they're doing it, it makes us feel left out. The places that you see people are going that makes you feel less than. They all create this inner dialogue, this inner script that you and I repeat over and over and over and over in our mind, and it directs your life. I want to help you discover what area, for you, you tend to be most negative about. Now, some of you are going to be overachievers. You're going to say, I think I could sign up for all four of these. I get it. When I looked into my own life, there was one specific category that I'm really, really working on for my own mental health. And with God's help, He's helping me to renew my mind from this whole thing of stinking thinking. So experts say there's really kind of four big specific areas of negativity. Um, what I want to do is get you to define at least one, and then we're going to talk about how that can change and how you can change and how God can change that in your life. So what's your biggest area? If you can't define it, you can't defeat it. Let me just tell you that. So don't be like, I don't really know. If anybody's struggling, talk to somebody you really know pretty well, and they'll probably tell you. Right? You have friends like that. The first one is cynicism. You could call it relational cynicism, but cynicism is one of those areas of negativity that a lot of us land in. It's, it's this idea that you can't trust people. They're cynical, right? I mean, you have this cynical attitude. Some of us have this attitude that everybody is out there, and no matter what business they're in, no matter what relationship you have with them or business relationship, they're going to take advantage of you. Everybody is out for their own interests, nobody's really generous anymore. Now, you could say, well, that's kind of true. No, it's not true. You think it's true. There are honest people. There are people that are still generous. Now, we could say, well, is it the majority? That's not what I'm talking. But we, that the idea that you have this cynical attitude is that you can't trust anybody is false. You want to hear something that'll really spin you for a second? For those of you, and, and we haven't even covered the other three, so you might already say, yep, that's me. Just hold on. It might be. They say that the person that's stuck in this cynicism, negativity trap, that that's your biggest area, it's generally a reflection of how you feel about yourself. <laughs> in other words, I'm not the brightest crayon in the box. But that means if I generally think people are dishonest and they'll take advantage of me, deep down, the experts say I might struggle whether with I'm generous and I'm really honest and you can really trust me. Whew. We'll save that for a different day. I'm going positive today. <laughs> yeah. There's a second category that's called negative filtering. Negative filtering. And that is some people just have this uncanny ability to see everything that's wrong. No matter where you take them, 
no matter where they're at in life, they have this ability to say, let me point out the worst stuff going on here. Let me tell you, they go to the worst possible outcome scenario in their brain. Hey, we're going on this trip. Yeah, but we could crash and die and burn up and our families will never see them again. Your kids are running late. They're five minutes late. And you've already figured out how they've been abducted or killed in a car accident. They're gone. And you rehearse it over and over and over in your mind. Even though the last 15 times they were late, they were fine. You tend to go to the worst possible outcome. You text a friend. Your friend hasn't responded. It's been two hours. Oh my gosh, what did I do? They must be mad at me. They must be mad. What did I say? Worst possible outcome negative filtering. You go on vacation. How was your vacation? You point out everything that went wrong on the vacation. You go to a restaurant, you find everything that went wrong at the restaurant. You meet a person. You've only talked to him for 10 minutes. You've already figured out what's wrong in there, what's wrong with this person. I couldn't be friends with that person. You go to a church. It doesn't take you long. You figure out everything that's wrong with that church. A place of business. You figured out everything. You just, man, if they just talked to me, I could fix this place. Right? It's negative filtering. Everything to you goes towards the negative. Again, it directs your life. Again, it not only impacts you and hurts you, it hurts your family, your friends, your relationships, your future. So we have cynicism. We have this negative filtering. Here's another category, absolute thinking. This is all or nothing thinking. This is everything is either black and white while thinking negatively. <laughs> Ladies, a man hurts you emotionally, physically, whatever. And now all men are bad. Guys, you've been hurt by a woman. All women are now bad. All Republicans are bad. All Democrats are bad. Hmm. If you make a mistake, it just proves I'm stupid. I'll never amount to anything. If you disagree with someone on a social issue, you see someone posting something that you don't agree with, we just write off the whole person. To heck with them. I don't need friends like that. I'm done with them. It's quiet in here. Isn't it? Is it just me? Is it quiet? It's absolute thinking. And some of you are there, and get this, some of you are there and you can't even see it. Because everybody else is so wrong, you must be right. You might be right, but you're not righteous. Ooh. Okay, there's another area of negativity. I can't stay in these places long. And that area is blaming. For some, the biggest struggle, the biggest area where they're caught in this negativity is blaming. In other words, that's the person that, just listen to them. They'll let you know they're always a victim. The reason they are in life where they are in life, because someone or this group or that group or this boss or that company or the government or who's the president is, they've ruined their life. They've ruined your life. 
Just ask them, they'll tell you. They'll tell you how they're just a victim of life. They're just a victim of circumstances. Somebody had it against them, but the longer you listen to their story, it's pretty, it sounds like a conspiracy theory because everybody's been out to get them. Every time they've had a setback, it's because somebody else was the problem. Which raises a question. If you find yourself constantly jealous or you find yourself consistently being critical, discounted, if you're the type of person that always assumes the worst, can you change? You ever heard somebody say, or maybe you've said, that's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. So can you change, or is that really just the way you are? I've got good news for you. <laughs> Can you shift from our mindset from being chronically negative to one of faith? Can we move from one that causes death of our family, or ourselves, our relationship, and move it towards life and peace like God says, or can't we? And the good news is, is God said it, so it is possible. The answer is yes, but it's not going to be easy. And I'm going to show you an interesting story from Scripture that shows it, that it can be done, but it's not easy. I'm going to tell you that the way we've wired our brains over time with this chronic negativity makes it very, very difficult to change. But if you're consistent and if you're purposeful and if you're set to do it and you do it God's way, it can change. Which means there's hope for every single one of us. We're going to look at two groups of people in a study before I get to the scripture today. And I want you to really listen, I think, you can follow this story. This is, this is interesting to me. I found this very interesting. They introduced a new surgical procedure. And they were going to do it with two groups of people. So they brought two groups of people together. And they put them in a room. And they, one at a time, gave a presentation about this new surgical procedure. To the first group of people, they said, here, we've got this new surgical procedure coming out, and there's a 70% chance of it being successful. 70% chance. They went through the whole procedure. They gave them the odds. It's 70%. It'll be successful. If you have this operation, this surgical procedure, and at the end of that presentation, they said, would you say this is a good surgery or a bad surgery? And overwhelming odds said it was positive. It's a good procedure. They then walked into the next room with the second group of people. The same exact presentation was given, exactly like they did to the first group, but they spun it a little different. And instead of telling them that there was a 70% chance of success, at the end of this, they said, here's the procedure. It's great. It, here's what it can do for you. And there's a 30% chance, however, that the surgery could be unsuccessful. And they asked that group of people, do you think it'll, this is a good procedure or bad? What do you think they said? They said bad. Same exact odds. Anybody know that 70 plus 30 equals 100? <laughs> the one group, they said it's 70% chance of being positive and effective. And the third, they said there's a 30% chance that it could be not a good or unsuccessful. And that group of people said it's a bad procedure. The 70% that they said it could be a good procedure said it's a good procedure. Now, that's not the end of the story. So they decided what would happen if we went back into each group and we spun it. Did the same presentation give them different perspective? 
So they went back in, did the same thing, and to the group that was 70% said it's a good because it could be a good procedure. They said, oh, that's good if it's 70% likely to be, turn out good. They said, however, folks, there's a 30% chance that it will be unsuccessful. Now, do you think it's a good procedure or bad? That same group that said it's a good procedure, with that information, now said, we think it's a bad procedure. So they went back to the second group. And they said, hey, there was a 30% failure, but we didn't tell you. There's a 70% chance that it'll turn out good. Now, do you guys think it's a good or a bad procedure? Which way do you think they went? No, they did not. They still thought it was bad. What does that tell you? Once we have something in our minds that's negative, we tend to camp on that baby. Don't confuse me with facts. Right? <laughs> They didn't change their opinion, only towards the negative, which tells us how powerful having a negative bias is in our lives. Is it possible to change from death to life and peace based on what we put in our minds and what we talk about to ourselves? Yes, but it will not be easy. It doesn't come natural. It has to be supernatural, which invites God in and His Spirit and His Word that is supernatural because naturally it won't happen. You following me? So what, are they, what do we do with this? Well, we need a little supernatural help from God is what I'm telling you. You're not just going to do this on your own without getting God involved. You're not going to do it just by reading good books. You're going to have to read the good book and put the positive things and the truth in so much more because you've filled your lives with negative and so have I. But can I tell you, it really, really, really matters. Because we talk to ourselves more than anybody else. The way you, that inner dialogue, it sends the direction your life is going. We've all been affected. You can't live in this world today and not be negatively affected in your mind. You can change it. It won't be easy, but you can do it with God and with His help and with His Word. So how do you practically change this? I'm so glad you asked. What I want to do is I want to get to that, po that passage of Scripture that very powerfully illustrates what happens. And we're going to use the character of David. David from the Old Testament. And he's going to show us by his own life what to do when you're blindsided by this avalanche of negativity. Right? Right? We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 30, and let me give you a little bit of a context. This, for David, was a very, very, very bad day. It was a worse day than you could probably ever imagine, and hopefully none of us will have this happen in our lives or something this bad, but it was bad for him. And it was about to get much, much worse. How's that for encouragement? So David and his troops, they were coming home from battle. They had been out, we don't know how long, and they'd been fighting in a war. You know what war does to families, especially if you have a loved one over there. So that's kind of the scenario. So the guys are over there, they're fighting, the families are at home. 
The ones that made it out alive are on their way back home. And when they get home, can you imagine the homecoming? You're so excited about the homecoming. To see your wife, to see your kids, to see your neighbors, to see your home, to have your own life. But when they got home, they discovered that their houses had been burned. And that the enemies had slipped in and kidnapped their wives and their kids. That'll squash a homecoming, right? Can you even take that in? I mean, that's just mind-boggling to me. So you got these warriors, they come home, they find that their houses have been burned, their wives and their children have been kidnapped, and it gets even worse, which that's hard to believe, but then David's own soldiers began to turn on him, and they threatened to stone him. In other words, they blamed him for what had happened, right? So now they're going to kill him. So his day went from bad to worse, if it can do that. And then we read the story in Scripture here. We pick it up in verse 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says, When David and his men reached Ziggag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud. Can you imagine? They wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. These tough soldiers, their homes are destroyed. Their wives, their kids have been kidnapped. Some of you may feel close to that right now in your own situation. You, you're hurting so bad. You've got pain that is so vivid to you. You've got so much fear, so much discouragement, so much depression, so much pain that you have no strength left to cry. And David understandably was greatly distressed, it says, because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. In other words, they were blaming David, that my sons, my daughters, my wives are gone. They're kidnapped. My house is burnt. And so in the middle of the worst possible life situation for David, after he said that, here's what it says. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. In the middle of what I can describe as your worst nightmare times 10. For some of you, today is the tipping point where you need to realize it's time for you to find strength in the Lord. It's time that you recognize this chronic negativity and actually go on the offensive and do something positive with God's Word, with your daily habits, with what you're putting into your mind as recreation. I love what the King James Version says with that same verse. It reads, In the middle of his darkest moment, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In the middle of the darkest moment, David had the wherewithal because of his relationship to God to spend time and be encouraged by himself in the truth of God's Word. 
It's time for some of us to begin to encourage ourselves the way David did. What did David say? We don't know. Oddly, it's not included in Scripture. We don't know exactly what he said. We know what he said to himself at other times. And my guess is, because he was human, what he said to himself at other times when he was down and discouraged is probably the same sort of thing he said to himself again. Because none of us are that original, right? We repeat things. We repeat things that matter. We, we repeat things that hurt. <laughs> and so we do that too. But the answer is, we don't really know exactly. But my guess is, he did exactly what he did before to encourage himself. Let me give you a couple of examples, and I can show you these from Scripture. Psalm 103, verse 1. Here's David. He was talking to himself. He was encouraging himself, and he said, Praise the Lord, my soul. He's telling his own soul to praise the Lord. Hey, soul, praise the Lord. Hey, soul, we're getting down. Hey, soul, we need to praise God. We need to lift him up. We need to worship him. And then he says, All my inmost being... (laughs) Everything within me, praise his holy name. In other words, self, start worshiping God. Self, start putting God first. It's always the answer, in case you weren't here last week, is to seek him first. He was telling himself that every inner part of my body, praise God. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. You know what he's saying? Hey, hey, David, use your memory for God's faithfulness. Remember how he's done this. Remember how that. David, don't forget who he is. Don't forget what he's done in your life, what you've seen, what you've experienced. Verse 3, the one who forgives your sins and heals your diseases. Worship him. Verse 4, the one who redeems your life and from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies you with good things. Worship him for that. Remember the characters of God. Listen, if you don't know those things, you can't recall those things. Can I tell you how important it is to spend daily time in God's Word? He's saying to himself, hey, remember, David, he anointed, God anointed you as king. Hey, David, remember, God, out of all the people, he chose you. He set you apart. He delivered you from the lion and from the bears. He gave you faith and was able to stand up to that big giant Goliath when you were a teenager. Remember how faithful God was? You remember, David, that God never leaves you? He never forsakes you? David, encourage yourself in the Lord. Go back to the truth. Put that in your mind. Don't lose context. He just came home. His wife, his kids are gone. They've been kidnapped. His home has been destroyed by fire. And then in verse 8 of Psalm 103, he says something that you may have heard before. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. How many have heard that before? Are you sure you heard that verse before? In Psalm 103, verse 8? Or could it be that you heard this verse in Psalm 86, 15? But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Have you heard that one before? Raise your hand if you've heard that one. You sure it's that one? Or could it be this one in Psalm 145, verse 8? Verse 6, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Evidently, David wasn't very creative. Because when he talked to himself, he had a tendency by Scripture, we can see he said some of the same things over and over and over. He stole those. He copied that. That wasn't even original. You know who said that for the very first time? 
God. God said it in Exodus chapter 34. When David was in this place, you know what he did for his mental health? He went back through his memory bank and he pulled the never ever changing solid word of God. He didn't have to get his Bible and look up a verse because he already had it hidden in his heart. Do you know you can't use or export what you haven't imported? You can't reach in and pull out truth if it's not been put in there? I want to give you a tool that I've been working on. But before I do that, I want to tell you, for many of you, for probably almost everyone in this room, my biggest takeaway for you of what you need to do is you need to start acting like a cow. That's what you need. Don't, don't leave here and say, went to Crossroads today and the pastor called me a cow. That's not true. You need to start acting like a cow. Because one of the things that a cow does, and we talked about this already in this series, is a cow ruminates. Ruminates means that a cow will eat grass from a field, he'll swallow it into one of his stomachs, and he'll then regurgitate it back into his mouth, chew it up some more, swallow it again. And then puke it up in his mouth, chew it up again, swallow it again. A cow does that over and over and over. That's called ruminating. Why does a cow do that? Because a cow gets every bit of nourishment that way out of his food. So he ruminates. The same word that we get ruminate from in the original language, we also hear meditate. It means to go over the same thing over and over and again. I've heard people say, I don't think I can do that with God's word. If you know how to worry, you know how to ruminate. Worry is just negative rumination. You're going over that same stuff. That'll drive you crazy and won't change anything. Or you can put in the truth of God's word like David did. Recall that, ruminate on that, and that will take you somewhere. I want to challenge you to begin to meditate on the truth of God's word. To ruminate on that. To take a couple of verses. A slogan that's made up from God's Word and ruminate on it over and over and over and over and over instead of the negative that we're putting in. And over time, what's not easy can happen. You can move from death to life and peace by the power of your mind because the things that you think about and I think about are very powerful, but we have incredible power over our thoughts because we get to decide what thoughts go in here. What do I watch? What do I read? What do I say to myself? Some of you right now, can I tell you, you need a negativity fast. One of the things I determined when I got back from Colorado is I am off Facebook. Will I ever go back on? I don't know. You say, I saw you posted a couple things. I did. Posted, got out. Didn't read anything. Why? Because most of it's negative. I know what it does to me mentally. Some of you need to, <laughs> some of you have friends that are negative. Every time they go out with you, it takes about that long and you're all talking about negative. You're talking about that person. You're talking about that business. You're talking about that church. Ah! What if you put God's truth in? So, quickly as I wrap up. There's four areas. Remember those four areas we talked about? If you didn't mark one of those, I strongly encourage you to mark one. You might say, I need to mark all four or two or three. That's fine. 
And then I'm going to read through these quick and then we're going to close. This is a mix of scripture and just positive to wrap scripture around. If you find yourself battling with cynicism, these are on your note sheets. With God's help, I will get rid of all bitterness and skepticism. I choose to believe the best about others and to be kind, compassionate, and loving. I will love and forgive others as Jesus has loved and forgiven me. Go over that over and over and over. Every time you start to be cynical, read that. Get that to be the loop that goes over and over and over and over and over in your mind. Does that mean people won't be negative? It just means I'm going to focus on this. If you're a negative filterer, God, by your power, I take every thought captive and I make it obedient to the truth of Christ. That's scripture. Because you're good, I choose to think on what's good, on what's right, what's true, what's helpful and worthy of praise. As I trust you, your peace will guard my heart, my soul, and my mind in Christ Jesus. Say it over and over and over and over and over. Make a card, put it in your car, put it on your mirror, put it on your computer. If you find yourself lost in absolute thinking, it's always black and white. As Jesus loved and accepted me, I will love and accept others. This is God's word. Rather than always being right, I'm called to always be loving. Rather than just making a point, I choose to make a difference. In humility, I choose to love others above myself. And if you find yourself always a victim, always blaming, God has given me a life and a mind of my own. By his grace, I'll own my choices. I'll choose God's best for me. I've been given everything I need to accomplish everything God wants me to do today. You can either continue to be swept up by all that's around you and join right in that messy pool of negativity, or you can say, no way. I'm making changes today because the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and joy and peace. My words my, that I talk to myself, the thoughts that go in my mind are powerful, but the good news is I have incredible power over the thoughts of what I put in, and I'm going to do something about it. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you today for your word, for your truth. God, I ask that uh, by your power, by your Spirit, that you would do in us what we can't do. Help us out of our negativity. Help us to make choices, God, that will lead us out of that. God, I want to thank you that we have your word and we have your spirit to draw from, which will lead us to freedom, a joy of life and peace. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, can I tell you, if you don't have God living inside, if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you don't have in you yet God's spirit to do this. So your first step is to give your heart and life to Jesus. That means you've got to get off the boss's seat. If that's you, make this your prayer. Say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. I own that. And I turn from my sin today, and by faith, I choose you because you chose me. God, forgive me of my sins. Cast them as far as the east is from the west. And from this day forward, I want to learn to love you like you love me. I want to fall in love with your word, your truth. And I want to live in every area of my life in a way that's honorable and pleasing to you. I say thanks. I give you all the praise in your name. Amen.